Hello and welcome to our online campus. We are so thrilled that you're here with us today and we are in the middle of our summer summer mixtape series. So we're so glad that you're here to join us. Um, I have a confession to make. I love the month of August. It's my favorite month in the whole calendar. It was in August that Greg and I got married. It was in August, a year earlier than that, that we got engaged. And I can remember visiting in Florida and him proposing to me at the Thayer Hotel in, at West Point. And if, for those of you who are on social media, I'm sure Greg does a great job of getting lots of pictures out there for everybody. Um, but anyway, it was something special that day that happened is that he announced that he would like to take me to a, on a day trip to Cooperstown, New York the day after he got engaged. How many know what is in Cooperstown, New York? This Florida girl did not know what was in Cooperstown, New York, but it is the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes, it will be fun, he said. Actually, I think it was a little test because early on in our dating, I think it was the first year we were dating, my birthday always falls around Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl weekend, February 1st. And I remember asking him at one point, I think it's our second year dating, you know, Super Bowl's coming, it's my birthday that same day, so you're taking me out on a date, right? And he was like, you're kidding, right? I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. For me, I had to see if I was, you know, first or was football first, and he was like, I know. Totally a girl thing, I get it. But he was like, okay, I, I guess I'm taking you on a date on Super Bowl Sundays. He was chafing. But we had a date, we had a wonderful time. I think he could probably tell you today who the teams were that played that he missed his one Super Bowl ever, but he did it for me. Um, but anyway, I learned a lot on my little test trip to Cooperstown. I learned about Shoeless Joe Jackson. I learned about the Black Sox. I was introduced to all the Yankee Hall of Famers and it was really awesome. However, it was on the drive home that he was talking, what we were talking, and we we're thinking of the upcoming year as he was gonna be interviewing for different position, ministry positions, and he said, where do, you, where do you feel that you'd like to live in the country? Well, for me, I love seasons. At the time I'm living in Florida, it just was sweltering hot. I'm like, I wanna live in a state that has seasons. I said, I love this state, I love New York. Let me sidebar, for those of us who live in New York, it is a beautiful part of the country. We've got just those short summers, which I love, just the breathtaking falls. We have the beauty of the snow in winter, and I still love the snow in winter. We have the excitement of spring. And, you know, and I think as God would have it, just thinking about rhythms, um, as God would have it, he gave me my dream, and that was to live here in New York. And so you see, God is a God of rhythms, and he's a God of seasons. Um, and as we, if you look the way that God works, he works in rhythms. I mean, you can kind of see that in nature. You find rhythms everywhere. There's a cycle of nature, there's the moon phases, there's the tides that ebb and flow. We can actually find in Genesis 8.22 that it says, for as long as the earth lasts and planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never stop. You can kind of see the rhythm in that. Planting, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So God is a God of rhythms. And I want to challenge you today to seize your season to seize your season. And just as there's seasons in nature, there's also seasons in our own life. But the challenge is our seasons don't always line up with the calendar seasons. They don't necessarily always line up. Yet in each season, God wants to do important things inside of us. But we need to know first what season that we're in so that we can just uh, maximize those opportunities and really embrace the growth that God wants to do in each of our seasons. I know we were at a conference this past June, and one of the panel topics, as the people were sharing, was, what would you say to your younger self? 
what would you say to your younger self? And as I was listening and the awesome things that they were sharing, I thought, what would I say to my younger self? And then it was like immediately, ding, I know exactly what I would say to my younger self. And so I want to share with you what I would say to my younger self because I want to say that to you too. We got home from the conference and I told Greg, I know exactly what I want to share for the Summer Mixtape Series. So um, the thing that I would share is recognize your season so that you can adjust your expectations and seize it. Recognize your season, because you gotta adjust your expectations depending on what season you're in so that you would be able to seize it. You know, if we don't, if we don't recognize what season, we're gonna get disappointed. We're gonna get discouraged. We're gonna get disillusioned. We're gonna feel hopeless. I've known some people who just, they're angry at God. God, where are you? All because they're not recognizing the season that they're in. Proverbs 13, 12 puts it this way. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You know, if, you're, if you are expecting a harvest, but it's spring and it's time for planting and hard work, you're going to be disappointed because you're, you're not expecting the right thing. If I'm honest, um, not properly recognizing my season was probably the biggest setback in my Christian walk early on because it was during that time of not recognizing the season correctly that I just let a lot of, I'd say lies about myself, a lot of stinking thinking come into my mind and my heart that really took me years of using God's word to combat that and to really just overcome in those areas. And so I wanna kind of take you through the four seasons of nature today, spring, summer, fall, and winter, and to kind of explore what they look like as we apply them to our life. And as I'm doing that, I want you to be thinking, what season in I in? What season am I in? Now realize you can be in different seasons in different areas of your life. You can maybe be in well, different seasons, like in your spiritual life, you could be in one season, but maybe in your ministry, your vocation, you're in a different season. Maybe in your relationships, in your marriage, in your parenting, you're in a different season, in your health or your finances. So you can be in different seasons in different areas of your life. Now, Ecclesiastes 3.1 puts it this way. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And it takes those different times, it takes those different seasons that God uses to mold us and to make us into being the people he wants us to be. And that God really uses those rhythms to change us, to grow us up, to recreate us. And so, you know, for God, he's all about the journey. Yes, the end destination is important, but he is all about the journey. He's all about the process because that's where he does his work in us, is in the process. And the hard thing is, is that God is not locked in time like we're locked in time. So to us, it feels like he's taking his sweet time, but he's not locked in time. And we can especially see that in nature, because nature has a way of just teaching us a lot about patience. Now you think about an acorn, for example, a little small acorn, it takes 50 years for an acorn to be planted, to grow into an oak tree, and to bear acorns of its own. 50 years. We're like, oh my gosh, that's a lifetime. But you see, God, it's, it's the time. He's not locked in the same time as we are. And so we have to recognize, you know, and maybe like, you might be like me, who I'm the type of person, is, I wanted it yesterday kind of a person. Not necessarily big on patience or used to not be. So I find the Lord is just tempering me and the waiting because he is not in a hurry in developing us to be who it is he's called us to be. So, and recognizing that everything in our life is really charged with purpose, regardless of what season we're in, that God is at work. 
So my prayer for you today, as we are in this time together, is that first you'd be able to recognize your season, and then secondly, that that, that recognition would bring clarity and just peace to your heart and help guide your attitudes and guide your choices in the season that you're in so that you can seize your season and really embrace all that God wants to be doing in you during that time. So let's begin with spring, because that's the season that God kicks the year off after coming out of a cold winter. Spring. Spring is a season where new growth and new beginnings. It's a season of new growth and new beginnings. You know, everything that lay dormant under that cold, bitter snow now is pushing up through the earth. You know, spring is pushing up and we start to see the little green leaves. We start seeing buds on the trees. Of course, I love the tulips and the crocuses and all those things that start bursting forth. It's just such a welcome sight coming out of winter because, you know, those winters can be brutal. That, that dead gray winter and here comes spring. But spring's a time for hard work. It's a time to get your hands dirty. It's a time to break up and it's a time to plow. It's time to plant your seeds in really a short window of time, a short season of opportunity for them to take root and then mature in time for summer. So spring is all about preparing everything for the harvest. And if you're in a season of spring in your own life, it's a time to clear out the old and make room for the new. It's about tilling the soil of your heart and get rid of some of the stuff in there. So maybe it's bitterness or unforgiveness. Maybe it's negative thoughts or maybe it's limiting beliefs that you have about yourself, all in preparing your heart and your life for new growth. Maybe it's taking time to look at past regrets and evaluate maybe some of the bad seeds that you planted because you didn't like the last harvest. It's time to start then planting good seed for a good harvest. And that's what we do in spring. So spring is a time to, for new things to be birthed into our lives. It's a time to intentionally pull the word of God into our lives and a time to be strategic about things and intentional. You know, in spring, it's also important that we have a clear focus because it's easy to be looking when you're in spring and go, oh my gosh, I love that harvest they're having. They're having a wonderful harvest in their, in their marriage or in his job or in their finances or in their health, whatever the area. We can be so focused on other people's harvest that we won't realize we got to get focused on our spring because... It's not about what other people's season is, you gotta focus. And when you're in spring, you have that small window of time to put your head down, to plow your feet, to plow your field, plant your seeds, to sow into your children, to sow into your marriage, to sow into your ministry, whatever it is, it's a sowing time. And so we have to just be focused that we're now planting seeds for greatness to come. So we have to be faithful in our spring. Spring is all about potential, it's all about possibility, it's all about promise. We love spring. And it's usually accompanied by just a great sense of anticipation and excitement that you sense God is about to do something great and you're not quite sure what it is, but you're just excited. That's spring. You know, spring is that time when what we've planted begins to grow and what we hope for, we kind of can see on the horizon already. But summer and fall are coming, so we have to be faithful in our spring. The second one is, see, is summer, and summer is a season to nurture and guard growth. It's a season to nurture and guard growth. You know, in summer, the days are long and they're hot, and that, but recognizing that that's the consistent heat is what's bringing forth the steady growth in our crops and in our plants. It's, it's a pivotal part of summer. And in summer, you nurture your plants, you water them, you fertilize them, you make sure pests and diseases don't take out your crop. You have to be diligent about it. And you spend a lot of time just looking out for weeds that just seem to multiply and try to take over your little plant. 
Summer is a season of fulfillment. Well, the things that we've done in secret are now starting to show in what we've been growing. And we actually start getting to see a little bit of fruit of our labor. Now, if you have a friend that has a garden and they've ever invited you over for dinner or whatever, you know what I'm talking about, because they will take you out into their garden and they will show you how, oh my God, look at the tomatoes. The tomatoes are starting to get ripened. They'll show you the green beans climbing the pole. They'll show you how the lettuce is like doubled in size. I mean, you can just, the zucchini is out the wazoo. They're so excited because all of their hard work that they spent in that spring is now starting to show and they are totally stoked. Well, that's summer, folks. That's the excitement part of summer. But if you're in a season of summer in your life, know that it's also time to be diligent, to water your growth in summer. And we water our growth through the living water found in Jesus, that we nurture our growth and our relationship with God in summer especially. But you know, it's the abundance of summer that comes with a threat of distraction. And we can kind of easily slip into an autopilot in summer. And we have to be careful that we're not taking too many siestas or too many trips to the beach that we're not guarding our, our crop in summer. You know, because there's still a potential in summer that your harvest can be stolen from you. You've got to nurture it. You have to guard it and look out for many potential threats that can come over your, over your crops and plants. And how many you know weeds can just get out of control? We've had a lot of rain lately. You go outside, oh my gosh, where did all these weeds go? They're like multiplying like crazy. But in our own lives, in our spiritual life, we have to remember not everything that is green is healthy. And so we have to learn to say no to good things so that we can say yes to the things that are really going to nurture our growth in that area. So let's face it, distractions in summer can cause us to overlook or to neglect the things that really, really are necessary and important in our lives, our spiritual life, our marriages, our children, our health. And the reality is we all have the potential of our harvest being robbed from us, that we have to be on guard. I remember when we were in a summer season with our children, our girls, when they were little, we were very diligent in, in plowing the little, you know, plowing up the soil of their hearts and planting seeds and watering them and, and, and just looking, waiting and waiting for the, you know, for them to start growing and harvesting. But I then remember they hit the teenage years, the teenage years, three girls, teenage years, we were bracing ourselves. Um, but, but that was a season to really be on guard and really to nurture that growth. And one of, our, one of our daughters, she started hanging out with the wrong group. She got on a path and we had to sit her down. We said, listen, honey, this path that you're on, it leads someplace and this is where it's leading. And we are not okay with that. We had to guard and nurture. She wasn't too happy about it. It was her junior year. We had to take away her phone for the summer our phone, I should say. We told her it's our phone she was borrowing. So we took it away for the summer. It was the summer of family, and we just kind of pushed their friends away, and it was all about family. Church friends, you know, were, were okay, but other than that, it was just a family summer because we had to nurture and protect her. And there were times she would look at Greg and just, I don't really like you anymore. And he was like, you know, I don't really care because I'm your father, and one day you're going to thank me. And she has, by the way. I was accused of being the Gestapo. I'm like, listen, honey, I'm half German. Say what you want. You know, but I'm taking your phone and I'm checking and I'm monitoring what it is that you are, what you're into and what's being said. And, you know, and so for us, it was just that time of just nurturing the growth of the summer season with our daughters. Because we could see harvest and we're in harvest now with our girls or finding these godly men and marrying them. This is like harvest season for us, but we could have lost our crop back there. And so we had to be careful in the summer season that we nurture and protect 
So do the work of summer, nurturing and guarding your growth, because then fall comes. And fall is just a wonderful season. It's a season of harvest. It's a time to bring in the crop. It's a time to, to fill up the storehouses, as the Bible says. It's time to enjoy the bounty that all our hard work is finally rewarded. Galatians 6, 9 puts it this way. It says, let us not be weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And there was times in that summer season, especially in parent, we just feel like, oh my gosh, I want to give up. It, it's hard. But we hold out because we are reaping for a harvest. You know, harvest has everything to do about what you did yesterday, about what you did in the other seasons. And so if you have a harvest, you celebrate. You deserve to celebrate because you've done the hard work. You've planted the right seeds. You've guarded them well. And here you are to enjoy it. Fall is a time of thanksgiving. It's a time to celebrate. And if you're in a fall in your season of life, it's time to share your harvest. It's time to give away what you have grown. If God has given you favor, it's time to use that favor to bless other people. If God has given you finances, it's time to use those funds to bless others and to advance his kingdom. If God has given you physical health, then use that energy to serve other people. Don't be afraid of giving away your harvest. And as, a cha as the trees change colors and lose their leaves, it's time to start storing up because winter is coming. And so we need to remember the goodness and faithfulness of God in our, in our fall because winter's coming. And whether that's journaling, I encourage people to journal, just God's faithfulness, the testimonies of what he's done in your life and the family's life. Maybe as a family, you have a list of things that you just remember his goodness. Because when winter comes, you're going to need to remember all those things to encourage yourself in the Lord. You know, the previous three seasons take a lot of work and activity to plant and to harvest, but winter is quiet and winter is dormant and winter is a season of rest and restoration. It's the coldest and darkest season of the year as we New Yorkers are very well aware. Plunging temperatures, icy weather, barren, frozen, cold, and dead. But winter does some important work. Winter actually heals the land. The land is at rest and nothing is growing but it's the earth is replenishing itself. There's a rhythm of rest and restoration in winter. As the roots kind of go down deep in winter, winter is a time to rest physically as you live on what's been stored in the previous harvest. If you're in a season of winter in your life, it's a season of winding down. It's a season of withdrawing, of retreating, of closure. Activities, responsibilities, maybe even some friendships come to start coming to a close in a winter. It's a time of ending. It's a period of rest and restoration and reflection. In winter, it's very difficult to see any growth in our lives because there just isn't anything obvious to see. You may feel dead. You may feel unproductive, feeling as though God has moved and lost your address. In winter, we need to remember that it's in winter that it's not the things that we're producing or outcome or an output that's important, but it's what God's growing in us in a winter. It's not about producing the winter. It's about God doing things inside of us that's truly the important and the goal of winter. Because you see, in winter, God is building the infrastructure of who we are. He's stretching us beyond where we ever thought we could be stretched, and he's preparing us really for the next level he has for us in life. 
know, I think we have to be careful because in winter we can see the inactivity in our lives. And if we're not careful, we can allow my lies and mindsets, difficult mindsets, to really come and harden the soil of our hearts. So it's also important to recognize our season. I didn't recognize my season, and it was a five-year winter season that I didn't recognize. You'd think after the first year I'd probably kind of be onto it, but I wasn't. I didn't recognize it. Greg and I both had graduated from Bible college, and three months later we got married, and we moved up here to New York. And before dating Greg, I had wanted to be a missionary. More specifically, I wanted to be a missionary to Germany. I envisioned myself bringing Bibles, you know, smoking Bibles into Soviet countries across the East Berlin. You know, the wall came down. I had to adjust that a little bit, the Berlin Walls. But I was like, Lord, whatever. I, I am here to serve you. I'm, I'm ready to go, whatever you want me to do. Um, and I, I felt like God had a call in my life to teach his word. I did some of that in college there. And and really, I was involved in all different kinds of aspects of ministry in college, as Greg kind of shared last week, a little bit of everything. Um, so I came up to New York just ready to go. God, here I am. Send me. I'm ready. I'm available. But we found ourselves in a network of churches that didn't really recognize women in ministry at the time. And it, it wasn't necessarily a freedom for women. And so Greg got hired on as associate pastor, and I went because to help make ends meet, we were struggling financially. I went to go work at the T.J. Watson Research Center in Yorktown, New York. 45-minute commute, worked there for four years. And for me, I have to say, I was feeling dead, unproductive, forgotten, and overlooked. And asking myself, God, what about me? What, what happened? What about me? And I worked for IBM until, up until two weeks before we had our daughter, Michaela. And she was born. And then my season even slowed down even more as I was at home with feedings and diapers and my little delight little bundle. I'll never forget when Michaela was nine years old. Betsy Kilster, who was one of my professors in college, I had done an internship with her and teaching practicum. She came up to visit with her husband, Chester. And they'd been there like about three days, and then she kind of pulled me aside. And she said, Susie, can I talk to you for a minute? And I was like, sure. And she looked at me, and she looked in my eyes, and she said, Susie, what happened to your voice? I looked at her with tears in my eyes, and I said, I don't know. I knew exactly what she was saying. I knew exactly what she was meaning. I said, I don't know, Miss Betsy, I've lost it somewhere. And I remember that night she prayed for me and I went up to my room and I just started praying like, God, what is going on in my life? And I remember him just whispering and just his goodness and his graciousness, just whispering and saying, Suze, you're in a winter. It was like, bing, the light just went on. I'm like, a winter? Why didn't I think of it? Why didn't I think about that in the last five years that I was actually in a winter? Because, you know, for me, I was seeing inactivity in my life and I was drawing all the wrong conclusions, all the wrong thoughts about my value, about my calling, about my destiny. My self-talk in that season was horrific. I let the enemy really just shovel lies and I'm just believing them straight on lies, lots of lies, like I wasn't worthy enough or that I wasn't good enough, or that I didn't have what it took, or that I was a second-class citizen because I was a woman, a second-class Christian because I was a woman. And I just spent those five years believing those lies instead of recognizing that I was in a winter. Because I was expecting a spring. I was in a spring in my marriage. We just were starting off. But I totally got derailed not recognizing that I was in a winter. And it wasn't that I wasn't good enough, but rather that I was buried in a five-year winter and that God was developing the messenger 
to have messages. That was part of his winter for me. And once I knew that, I could adjust my expectations, I could embrace it, and I could seize my season and navigate through it. And I'm so thankful just for my husband who made a place for me under his headship and by his side to walk hand in hand in ministry. And actually August again, my favorite month, this month I'm 21 years that I've been ordained as a minister and I'm so thankful for our lives together here serving you. So I just wanna say if you're in a winter season, remember that the purpose of winter is always readjustment and realignment. It's never punishment. It's never about teaching you a lesson. It's none of those things. And just know that if God has brought that season to your life, it's because he wants to birth something new in you, to push you into a new place. So let winter do its work, because God is working in our waiting. You know, I think the interesting aspect of what God does in the earth during winter, farmers call it pick rock. And that's in October, after everything's harvested, they, they till and they plow the field, and there's this beautiful black soil ready to go in for winter. And then it goes through winter, and then in the spring, when they get ready to plant, there are these rocks that have, because of the freeze-thaw cycle, these rocks that have worked their way up into the ground. Rocks, some say, like boulders the size of a recliner, I was reading. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, but that's what it does in the cycle of winter. It, those rocks get come to the surface. And farmers have to pick rocks so that they don't destroy their machinery and so they can actually plant their next harvest. But you know, the same is true for us in our lives, in our winter season. God is using that same freeze-thaw cycle of winter in our hearts, unearthing rocks that need to come to the surface. You know, last week Greg talked about my struggle with legalism because it was real and it was ridiculous of just the earning and the striving. But I want to say when I came out of that winter, the biggest rock that was sitting out in the soil of my getting ready for spring was the rock of legalism because it was literally like a legalism detox in those five years because I didn't have much to show for God for what I did for him. It was all about just waiting and being with him. And as he would whisper to my heart during that season, Suze, you have an A-plus with me. You don't have to do anything to earn it. And so that big rock of legalism was laying in, in the soil to be able to be picked up and moved out of the way as I was getting ready for a spring. So if you're in a winter, surrender to it. Surrender to it, embrace it, knowing that God is working in your winter. James 1.4 puts it this way, but let patience, which we all love, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Don't curse your winter. Just know this too will pass. There's a rhythm, and after winter, it's going to be spring. And that's the beauty of the rhythm. It doesn't last forever. So be patient. Trust him in the time frames of your life and the seasons of your life. And never forget that God is God and we are not, and that we can lean into him. So as I close, I just want to share a couple attributes of God. They're attributes of God because, you know, the more we know about God's character, the more we know that we can trust him. And I just want to highlight two of them today, two core beliefs about God's character to help you seize your season. 
And the first one is that God is sovereign. That God is sovereign. That God is large and he is in charge. He knows all things. He knows our frame. He knows everything about us. He knows our temptations. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. I mean, Psalms 139 says it so beautifully, that whole chapter of how well he knows us. At the same time, he's sovereign. He can do all things. He is everywhere. He is creator. He is sustainer. He is king of the universe, and he reigns supreme. He's got you. And whatever season that you're in, he's got you. Jeremiah 32, 17 puts it this way. O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your outstretched hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. So whatever season you might be enduring right now, it's not random, but rather carefully planned. That nothing can happen to us outside of God's plan for our lives. From the traffic we make facing work, <laughs> heading to work, to the heartbreak that we carry in our heart right now, know that God is at work and he never wastes our pain. He never wastes our trials, our tears, or any of that. They're sifted through his loving hands and he will do things, he will help work it all out. Which brings me to my second one, God is good. The second attribute is God is good. Not only is God in control of all the events of our life, he also wants to work them all for our good because he is a good, good father. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know, we all know this verse, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, I think sometimes in our own finite and limited understanding, we think we know better, you know. I think many days some of us, myself included, are like that two-year-old that wants to play in traffic on the street and feels like our parents are being, having a tantrum because they want to play out there, not recognizing the, the danger as their parents pull them back. You know, I think it's so many times like that with our relationship with God. But he knows all things. He knows our story from the beginning to the end. He knows what's best, and he's looking out for our good, whether we feel like that at the moment or not. So if God chooses to withhold something from you that you feel like you just long for, we have to trust that he has a greater purpose than we can truly understand with our finite mind because he is a good God, and all he does is good. I think believing in God's goodness, if we can get that from our head to our heart, it'll change everything as we go through our seasons. And whenever we're tempted to believe that maybe we're missing out, or some, out on something, or, or God, I wish you would do this for me in my life, just recognizing that if God doesn't do anything else for us ever, we look at the cross, that God didn't spare anything, that he sent his son to give us life there at the cross, and he did it for my sake, and he did it for your sake, and that God wants what's best in our life, and what he wants best is he wants us to look like his son, Jesus. And so we brace the good and the bad, knowing that he's a good father and he's working everything out for our good. God is good and everything he does is good. As I conclude, I just want to ask you today, where are you today? Where are you in your seasons? Are you in a spring, a season of new growth and new beginnings? Are you in a summer season a time to nurture and guard growth. Are you in a fall, a season of harvest? Are you in a winter, a season of rest and restoration? 
because our good God created these different seasons in our lives to shape us and create us into who he wants to be. And I just want to close with Ecclesiastes 3.11. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in, our, in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of what God's work from beginning to end. So recognize we don't always see the whole scope of what God is doing, but we trust he's going to make everything beautiful in his time. And so no matter what season you're in, he'll use it to show you that he is good and he can make it all beautiful. And although we can't see the big picture or the full scope of everything, our role is to lean into the rhythm. Lean into the rhythm, knowing that he is recreating us spring, summer, fall and winter. He's creating us to be that person that he's truly called us to be. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray for those who are, who are watching right now. Father, your word says that eye has not seen and ear has not heard nor has entered into our minds the things that you have prepared for your sons and your daughters. God, we ask for your grace that we could lean into our season and that we could embrace it. God, I ask that you breathe life and hope and expectancy into the hearts who are listening here this morning. God, give us your power. Give us your power to be faithful and to be planting if we're in a spring. Father, give us your power, Father, to guard and to nurture if we're in a summer. And Father, just that we'd have the strength to bring in our harvest. And God, for those who are enduring a winter right now, Father, I pray that you would just give them a sense of hope and peace as you're realigning and readjusting them in that season of rest. We thank you, God, that you are our Father, and regardless of what season that we're in, that all of our days are ordained by you before we live one of them. And we trust your sovereignty and we trust your goodness. Grow us, Father, into the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.